Welcome to the We Like to Say We're Experts podcast, where we go over noteworthy news, pop culture, and everything in between. And now, your hosts, Evan and Nicole. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you all had a great week and a chance to see Godzilla in theaters. Yeah. Uh, This week, we're going to kick it off per usual with some fun, funky, and slightly relevant news stories so the first one that we have um i actually posted the link to this article on our facebook page last week and if you're not following us on facebook we're facebook.com slash experts podcast it's where you can get all the links to any news articles we talk about Um, we post some bonus stuff on there as well but netflix announced they're coming out with a magic the gathering animated tv show and it's going to have Anthony and Joe Russo, the brothers who directed the last two Avengers movies, so Infinity War and Endgame, um, are going to be the executive producers. Evan. Oh. <laughs> my. God. Now. If you guys don't know. If, you, if anyone magic. doesn't know, magic is probably my favorite hobby, and the hobby that I spend my most time and money on uh, <laughs> when I'm not busy with something else. And this just blows my mind in, like, the best possible way. There have been a lot of jokes, you know, and a lot of dumb rumors in the past about, like, a Magic the Gathering movie, like, and then, you know, they'd go along for a while, and then it would be like, here's the, you know, the fake cast leaked, and it's Jim Carrey as Jace Bellerin, and it's like, alright, like, that's obviously fake and terrible. But now we have reputable, you know, the Joe, the Joe bros, the Russo brothers. The Russo bros. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I got uh, I got stuck in the year 3000 and I couldn't make you my know, way don't up. Don't make fun of my Jonas brothers. Okay? I'm not making fun. I'm just them. being relevant to the Joe bros. But anyway, so we got the Russo brothers who did a, a fantastic job. If you, anyone listened to our episodes about uh, Endgame, you'll know that we both loved Infinity War and Endgame like super great. Yeah. And we got Magic: The Gathering. Fantastic franchise. Absolutely love it. Ten out of ten. No, eleven out of ten. Um, I would cast all the all the all the black mana spells in the world to have it become a TV show, and here it is. And I think the best thing about this, besides the fact that it's happening and who's doing it, is that it's an animated show. Yeah, I think if they so, I don't play Magic, but I'm also kind of excited about this because I think the lore behind it could be really fascinating. There's so much lore. That, I think that like it could draw in people who. A, just maybe want to watch the show, like me, who, like, know some stuff about the characters, but wouldn't actually play the game, but, like, would watch that, because I do like fantasy stuff. Um, but also, I think it's going to draw in people that are new, to, that don't know magic, or know a little bit about magic, and then make it into the card game. That's the so, thing, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. A lot, I, I was telling Nicole this the other day in the car, uh, a lot of things that the creators of magic are doing are more for, you know, newer uh, newer players, people that aren't playing, unlike in franchise players such as myself, which is totally fine. I get it. You know, they're a business. But I think this is just great all around. Like, I think there's, you know, people like me that know the lore, they're going to be watching the show. They're going to be looking for, like, Easter eggs and stuff. Yeah. It's people such as yourself. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I tried to have Nicole play the game, but she just was not a fan. Uh, Listen, I tried. I love it all. Did my due diligence. That's fair. You did. We, we don't have to like all the same things. It's fine. Yeah. It's great. Um... <laughs> 
It's you know, cool. It's cool. It was cool. It's cool. So, like she'll check it out. You know, there's some new players that are playing Magic Arena that'll probably watch yeah. it. There's some new. There's some people that are watch it that'll probably join Magic Arena. And for any of our listeners that don't know, um, because in a perfect world we would be sponsored by uh, Wizards of the Coast, but that's never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But if anyone has any interest in Magic and you've never played before, uh, Magic Arena is a free computer game that you can download. It'll give you a tutorial, you know, we can play online against other people, and it's just super fun. It's a nice way to, you know, get into the game, get to learn the rules, and, uh, you know, maybe you'll like it. But, anyway, circling back, Magic Animated Show, could not be happier for. Gonna look for uh, my number one, Liliana Vess. Can't wait to see her in animated form. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think, so, I'll have to find the video and post it on our Facebook, but what was the the magic thing they made that commercial for okay oh yeah so i was super giddy i don't remember if we mentioned this before but tldr there was uh, speaking of lore there was a set recently called war of the spark which was a culmination it It was a culmination of five years of story uh funnily enough i started playing paper magic at the beginning of that story so i've been here this was like the whole thing the end of it it was great like especially someone like me that started in the first one and then now it ends but they did, uh, it was like a minute and a half or a two minute animated trailer for it. Yeah. And it was great. This was the first time they had ever done uh, a trailer like this where, you know, it looked really good. They used a licensed song they used In the End. But it was, it was. It wasn't by Linkin Park. It was by some woman whose name I can never remember. It almost like it starts off very like slow, not yeah. acoustic, but then it builds up like with the trailer. It's the perfect. animation is really good. I don't even like magic and this trailer I was like, this is awesome. So if that's like what we're gonna get out of the animated series, like yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, I think it'll be Oh my that... god, I'm gonna like something magic related. I know, finally. Yeah, I <laughs> I think it'll be that level of production. I don't know Funny. if it'll be I'm gonna like something magic related. This must be like your dream come it, true. It took me a second to, you know, I didn't expect it. You know, this is like the Titanic hitting an iceberg. Like, did that just really happen? But yes, it did. And we get to watch the show together. I know. I'm so excited. I know. What if I watch it and I don't like it? <laughs> it'll be like, Ugh. it'll be like, ladies and gentlemen, let's rewind to 2016. No, late 2016, early 2017. I'm in my old apartment in Connecticut. Evan creates two decks one is a fox deck it is foxes and cats i likes foxes and i was like nah and then he tried again by buying me a cat deck and if you guys don't know i love cats our cat is literally sleeping right next to us like he does every episode we record and i just wasn't into it i think honestly i think i'll like it i might not notice all the little like easter eggs and nuances you're probably gonna have to explain a lot to me but i I would definitely try it i'm hyped I think it'll be good. I'm very hyped. Yeah. I'm excited to see uh, when it comes out. Do you know what I am not as hyped for, though? Oh, uh, what? You know, you can only be so hyped. Uh, what are you not hyped for? So, you know, sometimes you hear announcements of, like, new TV shows, and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then sometimes you're like, nah, peace out, fam. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm the I'm the first one for the magic thing, but what is, uh... So, what are you the, the people behind SpongeBob SquarePants... I guess I should, when I say the people, Nickelodeon, are the people I'm referring to. Uh, they announced they ordered 13 episodes of Camp Coral, and Camp and Coral are both with a K, an animated series prequel to SpongeBob SquarePants, where it follows a 10-year-old SpongeBob, his adventures at summer camp. So he's not going to know any of his friends, because he meets all these people later. Like, he meets Sandy in, like, the first couple episodes, 
he doesn't know crabs until he works with the Krusty Krab. So, like, it's not going to have any other characters. So, like, we're only going to know SpongeBob. I think Patrick could be in there. When did he, did we know when he met Patrick? Uh, yeah, I feel I think, like it probably was mentioned. I think Patrick's just always been in the background, so I could see them putting him yeah. in. But, I don't know. I, I'm i definitely going to check it out. Obviously, I'm going to watch it because I'm we human garbage. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, we're big in Nickelodeon animation people. Yeah. I don't think we ever talked about it on the show, but, like, we grew up, like, loving Spongebob and, like, you like Invader Zim. So good. I've, I've seen it all, you know. Yeah. Fairly Odd Parents. Yep. Jimmy Neutron, yep. um, uh, like all the Cartoon Network shows too. Yeah. Like, so like we love that stuff. So I love original SpongeBob. Like I could watch the old. I haven't watched any of the new episodes like in the past couple years. But like the OG episodes, we were on vacation in Ohio in December. We were at a hotel room and we're like we're really tired. We're like let's just put some things on the TV just to like be casual. And it was like the first episode of SpongeBob was anchovies. Like, yeah, it was and so we good. watched it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm a, I'm lukewarm on this. I'm, I'm more excited for Magic the Gathering, and if that doesn't speak for, like, makes me how so I don't care about this. I, I just think, this, you know, Camp Coral, first off, you Watch know... Watch it be great. Well, well <laughs> you got you got the K's, so obviously it's a riff on the Krusty Krab. You know what oh I mean? Oh my god, I just like, noticed that. Oh, I got you covered. Um, <laughs> like, okay, like, alright, I guess, you're doing that again. And I mean... SpongeBob is basically a ten-year-old already. Yeah. You, like you look at pretty much every like. I don't know. Like, where do you go? They've done literally everything with him. Yeah. You know, I think like the lowest. I don't want to say like bar. They've set, but like the I guess the youngest they've been able to portray him is like of license age. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's always trying to get his license. Like yeah. obviously, SpongeBob is older than that or whatever. But, I yeah. mean, he's, he has all these situations. What age do you need to be in Bikini Bottom to get your license? I would think... Well... <laughs> is it like the real world where you're 16? I would think so. This is too much of a metaphysical... Meta... meta, <laughs> meta we're, t- we're turning into sponges now. Um, I don't know. Is it going to be like... You know, they do Camp Coral, and it's like fine, and it's like, oh... Billy hit me. I lost my juice box. And I'm going to do, like, Spongebob in high school where he's like, I really want to take... I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, what's a sponge brand? What's a what? What's a brand of sponge? <laughs> I don't know. Because I can't think of any. Me either. Uh, well, this is a failed joke, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we don't buy regular sponges. We buy, like, the SOS pads, so that's why I, I can't I want to take Lady SOS to the prom. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are they going to do? I don't know. I'm going to watch it. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. We'll have more thoughts when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, meh about it. It's not the, yeah. it's not the best. Yeah. It's not the worst. Yeah. But... So back, I think it was episode four when we reviewed Watchmen and we talked about kind of like some new things that were happening in the true crime world, um, genetic DNA testing and things like that. One of the cases that we mentioned was the Bearbrook barrel case, or I should say barrels case. And I don't want to go too in depth with what that is. Um, this is just something you can quickly look up online and it'll probably give you more in depth information. Um, there's also a podcast, Bearbrook, you can listen to. That's six episodes, so not too much of a commitment. But in 1985 and then again in 2000, 
in each year, two barrels were found, and they each contained a dead body. Um, one was an older woman, and then the other three were three children. And for years, they weren't able to identify who these women were. They're, you know, via blood types and DNA. Um, a lot of things were decomposed. It wasn't missing, matching any missing persons report. But eventually, when they were able to get some DNA through familial DNA, just like how they caught the Golden State Killer, they were able to determine that one of the girls, her identity was linked to a serial killer who had killed a few people um, in a couple of different states who had passed by the time they discovered this, but they were able to link and say, okay, he's most likely this man, Terry Rasmussen. But the thing was, they still didn't have the identity over 30 years later of who these people were in the in the barrels. Um, and it's weird because when you think about it this day and age, you think, okay, like people are just, there's DNA, there's blood types, but back 70s, 80s when these people were killed, like there just wasn't a lot of that and their bodies were badly decomposed. Um, but the reason that I'm mentioning this not so cheery case is that after 35 years, we finally know the victim's identities well for three of them. Um, so I'm going to link an article on our Facebook page just because I'm not going to read all of the information that came out this week. It really is a lot. Um, but as I mentioned, there was the podcast Bearbrook. And what happened is after this came out last year in 2018, this woman who is a librarian in Connecticut, she was just really, she does a lot of research. She likes to get involved in cold cases and her specialty is looking into going into like these ancestry.com message boards where people will post like looking for like my sister who disappeared years ago and try to see if she can match it with anything more current, use her librarian's skills um, and things like that. Obviously more things on the internet now. And she basically spent a good amount of time sleuthing and was able to find a forum for somebody whose half sister went missing and long story short that half sister ended up being one of the little girls that was in the barrel and they were able to identify her her other sister and the mother um and like i said i'm going to mention the full article it's really going to go into more details about who these women were who the children were how they were able to find them they were able to get a dna match and confirm it um but it's just it's bittersweet because i think for so long living in new england and with new hampshire not being that far from us you know, you always want to know what happened to these women, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bring them back and they're, the person that killed them has already passed, so there's no justice for them. Um, unfortunately, the little girl that was related to the serial killer, we still don't have an identity for her. Um, they're still trying to use the same methods to figure that out. Um, so it's not 100% solved, but I just wanted to provide you guys kind of with that update. And Evan, you and I were talking about this i think it was like f i think they released the information thursday the new hampshire state police yeah i think i picked you up from the conference. train station when we were talking about yeah. it on the ride home um oh no i worked from home tuesday and then friday on the way in that's we what it was i remember we were in yeah, the car i yeah. couldn't place it though what do you what are your thoughts on this yeah, it just blows my mind you know you got this guy yeah uh resmussen yeah done all these terrible things mm -hmm. and i could i still can't believe the way that he was caught and yeah. sent to jail. Yeah. Um, well, I won't get into it too much, but, you know, he mur he murdered many women. Yeah. Maybe, I don't think we even know how many, no, to be there's, honest. No, there's, the thing is, so this other little girl that's in the barrel, that's his daughter, obviously, 
why is her mother not come forward? So they think that she's a murder victim somewhere, but they just don't know who she is. Yeah. Um, but I think... Because, like, they only found the barrels by accident in the first place, Yeah, right? I think they stumbled upon them in 1985, the first two. And then in 2000, I don't know if, again, it was by accident or someone was reviewing the case, but they found the other two. Um, and they think that the the women and the two or the woman and the two girls were killed in the late seventies, but had just been in those barrels until nineteen eighty five. Gotcha. Um, one thing I did I, when I was listening to it is so when this this detective or no I'm sorry I shouldn't say detective <laughs> this amateur detective I wanted to say was that lives in Connecticut this woman who's a librarian when she reached out to this woman who made the post online and was able to find out who she was. She was like, you know, like, do you remember? I know, like, you were younger. Because her half-sister was one of the little kids. So she would have been, like, a child when this happened. But she was like, do you remember anything about, like, this woman's mother? And she's like, all I, all my grandmother ever told me is that, like, she got in a fight with her boyfriend. Her boy, She left with her boyfriend and the kids. And I think his last name was Rasmussen. And just, like, that pain that she was like, what are the odds that this person was, like... And then they ended up figuring it out. Um, through other family members that it was Terry. They were like, oh, yeah, like, we always knew his name was Terry Rasmussen, but, like, that was actually a fake name, and we were never able to track him down, so. Or not a fake name. He had he had multiple names. Like a few aliases. Yeah, aliases, yeah. Um, I think he also went by, like, Bob Evans and some other different names. And I don't, rem- I don't remember what his actual name is, if it is Terry or if that was one of the aliases. Um, but he actually kidnapped another girl and, like, sold her to these parents it was really weird i would listen to the podcast he was just not a good dude yeah he killed that mother too so and he killed his wife that's what he ended up going to prison for yeah uh, so i mentioned that a little bit earlier and i'm glad i'm glad you brought it back nicole because he he was caught so he had obviously you know buried his other bodies in barrels yeah he like put his wife in the basement and put a bunch of cat litter on her yeah that was like in 2002 so like, like he wasn't as smart not that like he's losing it uh know? not that i obviously want people to be smart with murder but like come on yeah he's phoning it in yeah i think this was another thing when you're i was listening to the podcast so they brought him in on suspicion after that and this was when the time where like fingerprints before were more like you did your fingerprints with ink and, like, a week later, it would come back with a hit. Yeah. This is when people were starting to take fingerprints, like, over a scanner. Oh, like, And digitally. so, automatically. So, he does his fingerprints. He's thinking, well, it's not going to come back for a week. I can run. Yeah. After this interview. But they came right back, and they were like, hey, hey you wanted for all this other stuff. So. Yeah. I'm glad they got him. I mean, I'm glad he's dead. I know that sounds horrible, but he's not going to hurt anybody else. And the family, you know, of these, of these three women, obviously, now they, I hate to use the word closure. It's but, like, they at least some level. know, like where they're what happened i guess um and i just hope that one day we're able to find out who that other child is um it's just sad it's really sad yeah but i know we talked about it in episode four and this was kind of like a all of a sudden one day they're like hey new hampshire police are making an update about this case and figure we give you all mini news update yeah keep you guys informed um but we're gonna go for a quick break and then we come back we're going to talk about the final two episodes of HBO's Chernobyl. Stay tuned, folks. We've got more cheery news coming your way. So, as uh, any of our avid listeners would know, uh, a couple of weeks ago we reviewed the first three episodes of HBO's Chernobyl series. The first three episodes fantastic yes and then the last two 
still fantastic. Yeah. Quality didn't dip. No. I really liked the way they portrayed everything. You know, the acting was great. The the science, to my knowledge, was on point in terms of how accurate in terms of how accurately it represented what actually occurred at Chernobyl and all of those events. Um, we did see in the very end, this might be jumping forward a little bit, but it was stylized a little bit just to make it easier to watch. Uh, I only mention this because there was one character, her name was, I can't remember the first name, but the last name was definitely Kamyuk. Her first name was Ulina. Ulina Kamyuk. Um, they put her as sort of another uh, representative, you know, from a, a nuclear institute, and that one character was supposed to sort of embody 30 actual other scientists Yeah. Uh, that worked with uh, Mr. Legasov to solve this problem. And I to after watching the very end, I totally get why they did that. Because yeah. if they had 30 other scientists, it would be too many people to keep track of. Yeah, and I think it's good to kind of have, like, that one central person that comes forward and, like, represents that community. Um, I didn't think that they made the wrong choice. I think if there had been... They would have needed, like, another episode if it had all these other yeah. actors going on and characters, but... No, I really liked it. Um, episode 4, I felt... So, I know in episode 4, one of the main things that happened in this episode was they have to clean the graphite off the roof, yeah. and there's a scene um, in this part of the episode that I really like where we mentioned two weeks ago there's a Russian... I forget, like, exactly what his title was, but I want to say, like, he was a... Not... He was like a secretary of something. Talking about Shrevina. Uh, yeah. He was the deputy minister of, I want to say like fuel and coal, fuel e, and something. Yeah. Fuel and power maybe? Yeah. Um, so they need to clean the graphite off the roof. And there's two options that they can do. They can either have humans do it or they literally shovel it off the roof into something that they're going to, like, clean up and get rid of. And they they also have all of uh, 90 seconds per trip, because right. if they're on the roof for more than 90 seconds near the exposed reactor, they will die increasingly quickly, yeah. I'll say. Yeah, um, The other option is that they can have, like, a robot, like a robotic machine come in and shovel it into, like, the clean container that they need to get rid of. Um, so propaganda that the USSR was putting out was that there was 15 million and I think it's rockins is Ro how you pronounce Ronkin it? Rockin is how they kept referring yeah. to it. Yeah, and that's like the, the unit of measurement of like radiation when it's in the air. Um, but they told the world in their propaganda hey, it's not 15 million, it was only 2,000 which is obviously like a severely decreased number. And so the Germans sent over this robotic machine to help with them with the cleanup but it could only handle like a few thousand of these measurements yeah. of radiation so they go to put it on the roof and it just dies because just like off, it yeah. just like basically shuts off because they can't handle it yeah. and Shervina calls someone and he ends up realizing and I think he's like they gave them the propaganda number he was real man the official position of the state is that a global nuclear catastrophe is not possible in the Soviet Union they told the Germans that the highest detected level of Radiation was 2,000 Rontgen. They gave them the propaganda number. That robot was never going to work. You need a new phone. And um, this actor, this is like one of my favorite scenes that he has in this miniseries because 
in the first two episodes, he's kind of like, hey, I'm the minister, but, like, I'm not, I won't say he didn't care about his job, but I don't think he fully understood coming into this. He wasn't, like, a scientist. But now he's, like, he, he gets it. He's on the front lines. He's seeing the damage it's causing to people and how much worse it could get. So he, he basically is, like, really upset at this point. He actually cares, so it's kind of a nice character arc. Um, really, yeah, person. fantastic actor yeah. for sure being a, yeah. I love how he on that call he gets so mad he breaks the phone yeah. and he just brings a broken phone out with him and yeah. it's, it's great Yeah, it's great um, I think the finale I don't want to like say that not a lot happened in episode 4 but I think 4 the f- yeah it's not that not a lot happened in 4 but 4 was a lot of like it was a lot of cleanup. to get you, know? you to where the finale was yeah. going to be it was a lot where it's like okay this is it was a lot of setup for four, where it's like this is what they do oh. to sort of secure the reactor as well as they can. You know, they're digging the pit underneath so they can put all the nitrogen to cool it so it won't seep into the water. You know, they're clearing all the graphite right. off of the roof. That's just sort of how they go about all of that. And it ends with um, Kamiuk has all of the information mm-hmm. about why the reactor exploded. It's because there's this AZ5 button, which is supposed to completely shut it down. But. As it turns out, it doesn't work under uh, different doesn't work under different conditions, such as what happened in Chernobyl, because of the control rods. Right. Um, and just real quick, the the reason that the Chernobyl reactor exploded is because there were two tests. Well, there there was one test with two separate problems attached. They needed low power. They learned of this at, like, what was it, at four yeah, or something? Yeah, four in the afternoon. Uh, four in the afternoon on the end of the month. They couldn't get the power that they needed from the power station because that was going to other, you know, like, labor shops so they could meet their quotas for the month. So instead of canceling the test at four, four or so in the afternoon on this day, which they should have done, right? they just left the reactor at half power. They didn't fully turn it off. They didn't fully boot it back up. Well, I think... Either one probably would have been fine. And yeah. so this this 10-hour span where it's completely off, um, or, or sorry, completely in the middle and not off, mm-hmm. it allows xenon gas to build up inside of the reactor. Normal, normally this would be burned away if the reactor is actually getting hot enough. Uh, but here it's just building up, building up. Um, so that was the, the first mistake was just not doing anything really and leaving it at half power. The second mistake was when they actually you know start to run the test. Um, this this uh, chief engineer Diatlov, who's a real he's a real jerk face. We talked he, about him in the last the last time we yeah. talked about Chernobyl. Like he's just a dick. All he wanted to do was to get the test done because they've been trying to do this test for three years. They, as we found out in the finale, and they could just never get it done. Uh, so after all the xenon gas is built up, he wants his engineers to still run the test as normal, as if this was all in one complete run and there wasn't a 10 hour you know bump in the middle um so this causes the power to go almost all the way down in the reactor and then he gives us dialogue gives a stupid order to flood the reactor with water um the reactor ends up starting to spike yeah and when they hit that az5 is like building up yeah the the steam like you know, it's com- it's out of control at this right. point. 
because it was just on half power for all this time, it caused too many, you know, variables inside of the reactor. Right. So when they hit the AZ vibe button, basically what happens is there's... A, I know we mentioned in the last episode they dumped sand and boron right. on the reactor. There's a boron control rod, and the the boron rod is supposed to, con like, essentially calm the reactor down right. so it's not... As hot, you know, the, the nuclear particles aren't going as fast. It's, it's kind of like the emergency shutoff. Ex exactly. It's yeah. an emergency break for your nuclear reactor. Right. Which should work perfectly. Right. But... Because it's the USSR. And everything has to be made cheaply. There's graphite tips on the end of these control rods. Right. Typically, this would work. Yeah. But because of all that xenon gas right. inside of the reactor, Boom. the the graphite ends up accelerating the nuclear core which explodes the xenon gas. Right, which creates which creates this giant explosion. So this this was a very roundabout way of saying that at the end of episode 4, Legasov finds out that after Kamiak talked to literally everyone that was half alive or barely alive right. or, you know, still alive if you're a jerk like the Atlov, yeah. they talk about what happened that night. She puts it together and she has this, you know, what was it? It was um, not an agenda, but it was sort of like a manual, oh, you know, for the yeah, RBMK yeah, yeah, reactors yeah. and it had some pages missing. Right. Legasov sees this, realizes that his colleague was the one that wrote the pages that were missing. His colleague was the one that pointed out this fatal flaw. Um, this is, and after all the evidence, he finally realized, you know, like this is why this happened. Yeah. And it wasn't just like one thing. It wasn't just like, oh, this went wrong. It was like yep. we have to do this test. Uh, you know, the tips are cheap, and then also, like, the manual's not incorrect, so because of these things... Exactly. They just, it was just a clusterfuck. It, it was a cascading effect because Russia wanted to build these reactors, build them cheaply, and not point out, or... Russia wanted to build these reactors, build them cheaply, and if anyone said that it was incorrect... Or if anyone questioned the state, they were basically silenced. Right. Now, Legasov's colleague that wrote this report that pointed this out was essentially removed from the scientific community. He was probably killed. They yeah. don't explicitly say, yeah. but... It's, like, implied. Yeah, they, they just strip him of any and all authority he might have had as a nuclear scientist just for pointing out that, you know, the state made something cheaply and not to standardize specifications. Um, so that that's the end of episode four. Episode 5 is largely the trial, right? Uh, where it ends up having uh, Sherbina, Kamiuk, and Legasov testify against Dyatlov, Fomine, and... I know there's another guy. I can't remember the third guy's name, but the yeah. third guy doesn't really matter. And basically, you know, Sherbina goes over some of the, some of the like, background knowledge on it. Um, Olina kind of goes over some of the science information. And then Legasov's like, he's the, he's the, you know, the big, they're the big three. He's got to come in at the end to basically kind of say what happened, but say it, like, in the state-approved way. He actually spoke at Vienna, Germany. and No, Vienna's in Austria, sorry. He actually spoke at Vienna um, a couple months ago and gave, like, the state. When I say state, I mean, like, the USSR-approved story. Yeah. But now he knows, like, he can't. He actually spoke to Sherbina earlier. He sees he's sick and basically going to only have a couple years left to live. So he's basically like, screw it, like, I'm gonna tell the truth. So he admits that, like, yes, he lied in Vienna, and, like, yes, the reason this happened was, one, because the USSR is cheap, 
Two, like, the outlock just didn't care. And three, the whole, like, the things that were blanked out in the memos. No one in the room that night knew the shutdown button could act as a detonator. They didn't know it. Because it was kept from them. Comrade Legasov, you're contradicting your own testimony in Vienna. My testimony in Vienna was a lie. I lied to the world. I'm not the only one who kept the secrets. There are many who were following orders from the KGB, from the Central Committee. And right now, there are 16 reactors in the Soviet Union with the same fatal flaw. Three of them are still running less than 20 kilometers away at Chernobyl. Professor Legasov, if you mean to suggest the Soviet state is somehow responsible for what happened, then I must warn you, you are treading on dangerous ground. I've already trod on dangerous ground. We're on dangerous ground right now because of our secrets and our lies. They're practically what define us. When the truth offends, we, we lie and lie until we can no longer remember it. It is even there, but it is still there. Every lie we tell incurs a debt to the truth. Sooner or later, that debt is paid. That is how an RBMK reactor core explodes. Lies. Um, and unfortunately, we do know that he ends up, as we mentioned in two weeks ago, that he ends up killing himself. That's how Chernobyl ends. And when he, unfortunately, before he takes his life, he makes recordings of what really happened, basically at the secret trial, Chernobyl in general. Um, his tapes are actually, like, I guess you can find them online. Like, they are real public information now. But they say at the end, and I actually, you know, Evan and I were talking about this last night because I looked up online. If he didn't record those tapes, like, we might not have known unless someone else came forward from that secret trial yeah. about what happened. Um, so, Shabina, unfortunately, ends up passing away in 1990. Um, probably just for something related to, like, the radiation. I think he had cancer. Dyatlov and the other guy end up getting 10 years hard labor in prison. Um, one of the other guys, ironically enough... Uh, I think it was Fomin. This yeah, is the dumbest thing. He ends up getting to go back to work at, like, another nuclear reactor, like, at, in the USSR. After all these goofs and yeah. 10 years of hard labor, they just send him right back. Yeah, Dyatlov, I think, ended up, like, dying yeah, shortly he, he after. He died from his radiation exposure. Yeah. Um... But luckily, because the tapes were made, and he said, like, hey, the USSR makes these cheap rods in their nuclear reactors, the USSR really couldn't do anything at this point because the scientific community had these tapes that they had from their friend before he passed, and so they had to admit, like, yes, their rods were wrong. And they ended up fixing them at all well. When I, we were assuming they did. Ended up fixing them at our other nuclear reactors, so this couldn't happen again. Um... It basically just talks about how, like, they built a dome around Chernobyl that will last for 100 years. So I'm assuming in 100 years i got to build another one. Yeah. Um, for the low, low cost of $2 billion. Yeah. Unless. I think it was completed in 2016. Yeah. I can't remember the exact year, but that it was someone recently. It was pretty recently. Yeah. Um, Chernobyl, you can still, it's a, I don't want to say like a tourist spot, but you can go. You're allowed there for one hour um, because of the radiation levels there now. If you're there for an hour, it is just like getting an x-ray they just obviously don't want people spending more time there there are tour guides um that will bring you there i personally wouldn't go no. that's not my thing no thanks um 
I don't know. It's just, I'm still mad about all this. I ended up last night, so, like, Evan was playing Xbox, and I was just kind of doodling on my phone for a little bit. And I was looking up, like, stuff from Chernobyl, and then, what was the one? I can never remember the one in Japan. Fukushima. That's the one. In 2011, I think. And how, like, that all happened, and I just can't believe that, like, I go back to my stance, I'll die on this hill that I died on two weeks ago. Nuclear energy just seems like a bad idea to me. I still like it. I think it's... I know. I know there's bad. But there's bad with anything. Yeah, but this seems, like, real bad. They said that, like... So they can only account 31 deaths to, like, directly die well, from Chernobyl. Well, that was what that was the number the USSR put Right, out. but these are probably, like, they're counting, like, the firefighters that, like, died that day, died weeks later. Yeah. But obviously they said, like, I mean, like, thousands of people got cancer. People had to have abortions because they thought, like, their babies would, you know, turn out to be mutants or things like that. There was a lot of, like, fears about that. Um, so, you know, the number affected, well, we're never going to know no. 100% because would these people have gotten cancer if it wasn't for Chernobyl? You know, we don't 100% know. It's um, hard to say. But it's just sad that... Yeah. It's definitely not good. Yeah. I'm not saying that... I would still recommend it. I feel like it's one of those things that, like, you do have to watch. The show? Yeah. yeah. To, like, get the appreciation for what happens. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I really like the show. I, the... the acting was spot on yeah. i feel like the science was spot on i really like the there's a little scene at the end where it has sort of i don't want to say like a memoriam but it's sort of like a real life account with video they had from the time right. of what happened and it pans over a few things that are covered in the show i think it was really good yeah um one final thing before we wrap it up that i just noticed i think it was either yesterday or thursday is that the wonderful country that is now the Russian Federation believes that this HBO series was like U.S. Propaganda. propaganda, and that they, even though they like, kind of, quote unquote, admitted that like these things happened after those tapes came out, somehow they're saying that like the CIA was responsible for Chernobyl and that they're gonna make like their own version of like a Chernobyl miniseries now. To like counter what apparently the American series, American and UK series said, but like I mean I don't think anyone's gonna take that seriously. Yeah. The Kremlin's upset. Kremlin's being Kremlin. Yeah, I just thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty funny too because of, of course they're gonna deny it. And yeah. Like honestly, as a country, I can't blame them. You know, you try to save as much face as you can. Yeah. But I don't know. Show's good. Show's real good. Yeah, I would I, recommend it. Isn't that like the highest rated show on IMDb yeah, or something? Yeah, it is. It is the highest rated. It beat out like a couple, whatever the, like the ones that were on there were like good standing shows. I think Game of Thrones was one of them. Yeah, take that Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I would I would definitely check it out. I mean, it's it's bittersweet because it's like, you know, these, these people, obviously some of these people risk their lives to save millions, but it's still hard. It's still sad. Yeah. It's a... It, you know, it could have been much worse. I don't want to say it's hard to watch, it's but it doesn't sad. leave you feeling great. Yeah, you don't feel, like, happy no. rainbows after. Which is why we'll have to watch the new uh, new Spongebob shows. Yeah. If we ever rewatch it, we can do an episode of Chernobyl, an episode of Camp... Camp... I already forgot the name of the show. Camp Spongebob. <laughs> Krusty Camp. We're calling it Krusty Camp. <laughs> I think it's Camp Kelp. <laughs> Close enough. Camp Crust. Yeah, All right. Crusty Kelp. Crusty Kelp. Crusty Kelp. <laughs> All right, uh, 
I think that's all we got yeah, for today. Yeah, I don't really have any other closing thoughts other than Krusty yeah. Kelp, but... Come back next week, where we'll have more fun for you. Yeah. Enjoy your week, everybody, and uh, don't forget to put your lead pants on. Thanks for listening to our show. Make sure to like our Facebook page through our link in the show notes or by searching We Like to Say We're Experts on Facebook. See you next time.